Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. Father, you are truly worthy. We thank you for loving us today. Father, we thank you for being patient with us. Lord, we just just thank you from the deepest parts of our heart for loving us when even we didn't love ourselves. And it's my desire today, Lord Jesus, that we will truly be changed. That we will leave this place in victory. That we will leave this place forgiven, cleansed, and full of Your Spirit. So that we could walk in faith and not by sight. Lord, that we could stare the enemy in the face and tell him not today. That we are children of God that we will not back down, but we will rise up and praise You and honor You for the rest of our lives. So Holy Spirit, today, reveal just remove our blinders, reveal our shortcomings, and truly change us. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1939, Germany invaded Poland, which began World War II. And it was no secret at that time, the world had discovered that Germany had found a way to actually split the uranium atom, which meant they could possibly build a nuclear bomb. Well, that definitely struck fear in the heart of the rest of the world, especially the Americans and the Britons, because after all, Germany is on the task of conquering the world and creating one giant human race. And if they had a nuclear bomb and nobody else in the world had one, they definitely would conquer the world. People had an idea what the bomb was like, but they really weren't for certain. So in 1939, the Manhattan Project started. That's where the Americans and the Britons got together and then started trying to design, trying to develop a nuclear bomb. The problem with trying to design and develop a nuclear bomb was the cost, the facilities that would have to be made, and also the locations it would have to be tested. It is estimated that we had over 120,000 employees involved in making the nuclear bomb and spent back in the early 40s, $2 billion to design it, which in today's time would be around $25 billion. Robert Oppenheimer was one of the key key scientists involved, and in 1945, they figured it out. And so they went out to what they call the Trinity site in New Mexico, and they put this bomb on a 100-foot tower, And early in the morning, they detonated it. No one was really probably understanding how devastating this bomb would be. They weren't prepared for the result. And as a result, when this bomb went off, 
It lit up the sky over 200 miles away. The mushroom cloud that came rose over 40,000 feet. It blew windows out of homes over 100 miles away. And it created a half a mile gulf. And in that gulf, the sand literally metamorphosized into glass. The United States had found a way to make a nuclear bomb. And what was intended for Germany now would be used on Japan. And once that bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, it changed the entire world. For the world understood at that point in time that we were the strongest, most powerful nation around. Not because we were Americans, but because we had an atomic bomb, a nuclear bomb. And everybody who didn't have one feared it, and all those who have one are happy. Understanding was the key. We have the power, and because we have that power today as Americans, it has changed the face of the world in wars, because nobody really wants to attack us for fear of that nuclear bomb going off again because of the power that it has, and people understand that, so they leave us alone. This morning, I want to talk to you about the power of understanding. The power of understanding. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians is such an incredible book. It's really a book about the riches and about the power and about all the things that a believer can have in their life to make you successful, to make you productive, to make you victorious. It's all integrated in the book of Ephesians. And as Paul is writing to this church, this church had all of those things at their fingertips. They had the Holy Spirit. They had, they had church. They had small groups in their home. They had God's Word. They had all of those things in their fingertips, yet they weren't using them. And because they were not using them, they literally were starving to death spiritually. It's kind of sad that they had everything at their fingertips, everything right at the very front of their life, and yet they neglected them. And because they neglected them, they were starving to death. To be honest with you, that's about the way we are in America today. Many people today are starving spiritually in America, and yet they're not hungry. You are starving spiritually, and yet because the enemy has so blinded you, has so deafened you and so numbed you, that you can't even tell that you're malnutrition spiritually. That you've just learned to buy into defeat. You've learned to buy in to all the mishaps in your life, and it's not supposed to be that way. You're supposed to live a victorious life in any and every obstacle you ever come in. God will give you the faith, God will give you the strength, and God will give you the victory to overcome it. But if you really don't understand that in your Bible, you really won't believe that, and you'll never embrace that and never live that out. And that's what exactly what was happening to this group of people in the book of Ephesians. They were not doing that very thing. So Paul is writing to them. And right in the very middle of this book, Paul begins to express his innermost feelings. Have you ever been talking to somebody and right in the middle of the conversation, man, they just unload on you. They just pour their heart out to you. Some of you are like, I really didn't want all that information. 
but they're going to give it to you anyway. You ever been around somebody like that? They're talking to you, all of a sudden they just dump everything out on you? Well, here is Paul. He's writing to this church, and right in the middle of this book, all of a sudden, Paul begins to reveal his heart. Paul begins to show them what he wants them to have only through what he's experienced. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, here's how he starts. He says, when I think of all of this, King James, other translation says, for this reason. So right in the middle of this conversation, Paul says, you know, when I think about this, well, what is he thinking about? If you go back to the first part of chapter 3, he says, when I think that God has healed me from having such persecution among Christians. You know, I, I used to be a, a racist and God healed me that. And now God's given me the privilege. He's called me to minister to the people I once hated. Man, God's changed my heart. He's changed my life. And the people I once killed, I'm now I'm loving to Him. Man, when I think about how God's doing that in my life, that I no longer have to worry about what I'm going to do in life, that I no longer worry about what I'm going to do tomorrow, when I think what God's given me the gift to do, He says, man, this is incredible. Some of you this morning don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. And the reason why you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow is because you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you to tomorrow. God always has a plan for your life. You don't have to worry and sit and live in the dark. You can live in the life and in faith if you allow the Lord to lead you. And that's what's happening here. He's saying, man, God's given me this blessing. I get to minister to the people that I once hated because God has saved me. He's changed me and I'm a new person. And then he goes on, if you go back to the verse part of chapter 3, he says, when I think about that, I'm thinking about how God through His grace saved me. That God filled me with the Holy Spirit and He's changed my life. So here you have Paul say, when I think about what God's done in my life, now I want to share what He can do in your life. So Paul's building up to this. So are you ready? He's building up to give you what he wants you to have, what he's already experienced. And this morning, to be honest with you, as one of your pastors, I want to share with you what God's done in my life so that you can have the same thing so you don't have to live in defeat, you don't have to live in depression, you don't have to live in bondage, but you can live in victory through Christ Jesus. Because that's what he is about, giving you victory. Amen? Amen. So this is what he says in verse 14. He says, The Creator of everything in heaven and on earth, I pray that from His glorious unlimited... Notice, God is not short in His resources. Whatever you need, God's got it. You don't have to pray today and say, God says, well, I'm out of that today. I'm sorry. Don't have it for you. Whatever you need, the Lord has, because it is unlimited. Please understand that. It is unlimited. He will empower you with the inner strength through His Spirit. Verse 17, Then Christ will make His home in your hearts. As you trust Him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. If you're failing every day of the week and your life is miserable, it's because you're not allowing the love of God and the strength of God and the Holy Spirit to guard your life. Because Paul says, listen, this is what I'm experiencing. That God's love has grown in my heart. It's like roots growing deep. And because they've grown deep, I am strong. Verse 18. He says, And may you have the power to understand as God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Notice it says that you may have the power to understand as God's people should. A lot of us really don't understand the power and the strength of God's Word. 
And that's why we live in bondage. That's why we live in fear. That's why we live in chasing everything under the sun but the right thing. Because you do not understand the true power of God's Word. Thomas Edison said it like this, We don't know one millionth of one percent about anything. See, because when you truly understand something, it changes your whole life. Some of you today, if I put you in front of a computer, you would have a heart attack. But don't worry, we have a defibrillator out in the lobby. We can help you. Some of you I could put in front of a computer, and you're somewhat savvy. You can operate and maneuver around it. Some are more gifted, and then you got those people like Derek Gray and Bill Starling that actually do the coding and the programming. They are the computer guys. They know how to do that because they know and understand how ones and zeros are supposed to interact with each other and how formulas and calculations work. It's, it's a computer. It's a simple formula designed for us to be used. But if you don't understand the computer, you'll never use it. Your life may be better. I don't know if it'll... Without using it, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if the computer's a better thing or not. Uh, my computer's either my best friend or my worst enemy. I, I haven't figured that out yet. But notice, like, when you get to see Roscoe, see, Roscoe was designed on a computer. And, and it's fun, and I didn't know how to do Roscoe when we first started this thing. But now... I, He's savvy and he can talk and interact with people in the church and don't be surprised one day if he interacts with you. It's because I understand the computer and I understand how to use it and I understand the power that it contains and, and the ability that it gives me. But if you do not understand the way God's Word is and how it can interact and interwork in your life and change your life, you'll always be failing. You'll always be unhappy You'll always be miserable because you don't understand. So, so let me try to make it a little more clear. Jalen, come here, baby. This is my oldest daughter, Jalen. Thank the Lord she looks like her mama, not her daddy. <laughs> okay, so here's how some of you treat God's Word. You'll hear God's Word this morning. Air hug. That's how you treat it. You almost embrace it, you see it, but you really don't take it in. You know what it says, but you think, that's not for me. Give me a side hug. And then some of you, yeah, I get that part of the Bible, and that's about all you do. Do you like those hugs from me? No. <laughs> Tell me how you really want Daddy to hug you. That word understand means to embrace, to hug tightly and hold fast. Sorry, baby, you can go down. I got, I got caught in the moment. Her mother does the same thing to me. She hugs me and I'm, it's all over. That word understand means that you hug it, you embrace it, you squeeze it in. Are you really squeezing in the love of God and the Word of God in your life? Because that's what Paul was saying to this church. You hear us in your life groups. You hear us at church. You hear us on the radio. But you're just hearing it. You're not embracing it. You're not pulling it in. And Paul says, I want you to understand God's Word. I want you to just to pull it in and hold it dearly. And he says this in verse 19. He says, may you experience. See, he's sharing what he has experienced. Paul's just not giving you something, church, this morning that's a fictitious something we hope and pray to give one day. 
Paul was literally sharing his heart and life to this church. And he's saying, this is what I experienced. That it is too great to fully understand God's love. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness, life, and power that comes from God. Notice, when you embrace the Lord, when you pull Him in, when you just embrace Him with everything in your life and you don't let go, you're going to be full. You're going to be complete. You're not going to be lacking. You're not going to be wanting. You're not going to be wishing. You're not going to be hoping. The Bible says that you're going to be made full with life and power. See, if you're lacking this morning, if you're wanting this morning, if you're empty this morning, it's because you have not embraced the Lord. You have not allowed Him to be all of your life. Because when He becomes all of your life, as the Bible says, and if we understand the Bible, we will be full. In other words, it's like after Thanksgiving dinner. You know how after you eat Thanksgiving dinner, you're like, oh, I can't eat another bite forever. I mean, you're just so full, you can barely roll out of the chair and get to the couch. Paul is saying, when you really embrace the Lord, you're going to be so full of the Spirit. You're going to be so full of His love. The only thing you'll want in this life is more of Jesus and nothing else. You won't want the bigger house. You won't want the faster car. You won't want the other job. Because He will make you complete in His fullness. Because that's what He's designed you to do. So, let's go back now to the verse 18. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as God's people should, of how wide, how long, how deep His love is. We're going to look this morning at those four things. They are very important in our life. Paul says, I want you to understand how wide. How wide is God's love? Well, it's pretty simple. This is what it says in Psalms 103, verses 11 and 12. For His unfailing love toward those who fear Him is as great as the heights of the heavens above the earth. Notice in verse 12, He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Now think about this. This is Psalms. This was written thousands of years before we ever figured out that the world was a sphere. It was a globe. Do you realize when you start going north on a globe, eventually you're going to do what? You're going to go south. There's no doubt about it. But if you start going east, will you ever go west? The only way you'll go west is to what? Turn around. That's how far God has removed your sin. That's how far God wants to remove your guilt. That's how far God wants to remove your shame from your life. That's how far. The problem is, is that God removes it, and you go east, and then you turn around and go west and grab your sin and your memories all over again, and you pull them right back in. You've got to learn to let them go. His love is so wide in your life that He doesn't want you to wake up tomorrow remember how bad it was yesterday. He wants you to wake up tomorrow remember how grand and glorious it's going to be because His love is in your life, He's guiding your life, and He is moving in your life. But you've got to let Him do that. If you have not figured it out this morning, I want to help you. If you are dying today in your misery, if you're dying today in your loneliness, in your depression, in your depravity, God today wants to forgive you he wants to heal you. He wants to give you strength and peace and power to make it through. Caleb, the only way you're going to make it through boot camp is Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, you can't make it without Him, but you'll be cussing like a sailor, and we want you preaching like a River of Life member, okay? The problem we have today is that we just don't believe we're sinners anymore. 
I mean, that's really the problem we have today. Most of us just don't think we're sinners anymore. Have you ever turned on the news and you hear about this guy that's murdered five people and his mama gets on and says, well, you know, he's really a good boy. You know? No, ma'am, he's not good. You know, this guy's been murdered. Everybody loved him. Well, no, if everybody loved him, he wouldn't have been killed. But we have painted this false picture of ourselves to say, we're okay. We're really not sinners. And let me be honest with you this morning, church. Until you realize that you're a sinner, you can't go anywhere. I was watching this so-called Christian movie the other day. Good movie, but it broke my heart. So it was about this girl who steals her roommate's identity, her picture, and puts it on a dating website because she's not attractive and the roommate was. Well, this guy falls in love with her and wants to meet her. The problem is the guy goes to the same church she goes at. Her roommate is lost. She's not even saved, doesn't go to church. But now this guy wants to meet her and, it's, and her roommate's saying, well, you've got to go ahead and confess who you are. She's like, no, 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 I can't do that. Well, the roommate gets convicted and wants to go to church because she needs Jesus. And the girl says, you can't go to church with me. You know why? Because see, if he sees me and you together, he'll know who you are and it'll be a lie and we're all going to be in trouble. And so it finally goes on that he finally catches her. In, he, she never confesses, he catches her. Here's what's sad. She asked him to forgive her. She asked the roommate to forgive her. And then she starts praying. And never once does she say, God, I am so sorry for being a liar. God, I'm so sorry for keeping my friend away from your love when she wanted to come to church. God, I'm so sorry for lying to this young man who fell in love with me for who I was, not what I looked like. She never confessed her sins to God. Never. But she prayed this wonderful prayer, how God, please bless him to fall in love with me again, and God, please have him. I mean, it was sick. But then, I think, but then again, I think, we're the same way. We sin against Almighty God, and we say, God... You know you deserve that. It's okay. I'm not that bad of a sinner. I mean, after all, the person next to me is a lot worse than I am. Church, we're all sinners. And until you realize what you've done to the God who created you, you will never ever be free from your sin and you will never ever move forward in life. You have to admit, regardless if the world tells you it's okay, regardless if your friend says it's all right, it is wrong, wrong, wrong. The Bible teaches us that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short, and we all need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If you think, amen, and if you think the world's going to bring you peace and happiness, ask the millions of people who've tried before you and have failed miserably. So, let's take a vote. If Christ has changed your heart this morning, and you're living in victory today, except for you, Ralph, you stay right there. Stand up. If Christ has changed your heart, and you're living in victory today, stand up. Here is your testimony, church. These are the people who God has set free, has changed their life, and making a difference. You can be seated. You cannot be found until you realize that you're lost. I talked with a man just yesterday, 46 years old, was engaged to this woman. 
She's 44 years old. And told him, I've got to go find myself. I can't get married. I mean, lady, you're 44 years old. <laughs> 44. But, but I understand. You know why she can't find herself? Because she's looking for herself outside in the world. She's not looking for herself in the Word of God. Because if she looked in the Word of God, she'd find herself. She would find who she is. And so if you're looking everywhere else but God's Word to find yourself, you're going to be one miserable human being. You will never find yourself. You cannot see until you remove the blinders. Just be honest. Look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. I need help. Jesus Christ, I've tried the other ways. I need you. You cannot be helped until you realize that you're hopeless. We are hopeless without God's love. We are hopeless without God's word, without God's forgiveness. You cannot be set free until you realize that you're a prisoner. God never intended you to be in the bondage you're in today, church. Some of you are damn bondage. But sad is, you don't think you are. What's sad is, you think you're okay. And really, you're not. And a little later on, you're going to hear about somebody who thought he wasn't in bondage and found out he was in bondage, and then Christ set him free. We have to come to the realization in some areas of our life, this has got the best in me, I'm in trouble. Amen. Fifteen months ago, I realized... That Mountain Dew had the best of me. I would get up and drink one. I would drink them during the day. I would drink one before I go to bed at night. Fifteen months now, I've been only a water drinker. I realized that I had a problem with Mountain Dew. Now you say, oh, come on, it's Mountain Dew. It's no different than your coffee, no different than your alcohol, no different than your social media. If you got something you can't live without other than Jesus, that's your bondage. And you got to learn to let it go. Youth. You all would have a coronary if I took your phones and you couldn't live without social media for 48 hours. I know it. I know it. Hey, don't worry, youth. Those over here, they're the same way. They're the same way. It would be you, it would do you some good of interest to let go of some of that junk and don't spend 15 hours worrying about how everybody else looks, where they're at, what they're doing. As Dallas Gray says, get out of Facebook and get your face in the book. Just that simple. Last, you cannot be forgiven until you realize that you're wrong. I'm wrong. God, I've done you wrong. Lord, I am so sorry. I've lied. Lord, I'm so sorry. I've been dishonest with myself and with my family. God, I've been cheating my boss at work, telling him I've worked the hours that I haven't been working. God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. But here's where some people are at today, and I love the way Mark Twain says it. The trouble with our world it's not that people know so little, but the things they know ain't so. See, some people are telling you you're okay and you're not. The devil's told you you're alright and you're not. And sooner or later you're going to have to figure that out. Years ago, my wife and I, which I think I can count on one hand how many like, major arguments we've had. We've been married almost 22 years. But we had a dilemma over we should buy a vehicle or not. And of course, me being the mature person, I gave her all the logical reasons why, and then she gave me all her reasons why, and I didn't like her reasons. And so then I did what most people do. I started hunkering down and started arguing and pitching a fit. And then I did what every mature person would do. We were on the way to my mom and dad's house. 
And I thought, praise God, I'm mama's golden child. I'll just get my mama to side with me and tell her what she's wrong. I get to my mom and dad's house and guess whose side they chose? I'm like, the golden child has fallen. But I was looking for somebody to help me to prove my point when I should have just got before the Lord and said, okay, God, this is causing a division in my marriage and strife. What do I need to do? Lord, I've got division in my home right now. What do I need to do? God, I've got problems with my family. What do I need to do? Don't ask Dr. Phil. Ask Dr. Jesus. He'll help you. I love this quote. If a pastor says something that offends you, but is in line with the Word of God, he's not out of line. You are. So if I'm saying anything to offend you this morning, I'm coming straight from God's Word. Hold on. It's going to get better, I promise. The second thing he talks about is how long is God's love? God's love is real long in our life. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He is being patient for whose sake? Our sake, your sake, my sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. Listen, God's, God's loved you before you were born. God's been very patient with you and with me. And what God wants you to do is have victory in this life. God wants you to have love for Him and a passion for Him and to enjoy Him and all the blessings He's given you. And God's being patient with you and with me, but we've got to learn that His patience will run out sooner or later. So, let me help you out. Is anybody here today, and the only reason you were happen to be here today is because God was so gracious let me rephrase this. Have you ever done something so stupid that it was only through the grace of God that you survived? Yeah. But there's only a few of us being honest. See, if you're a male teenager, we know. If you're a male in general, we know. Listen, you can probably name more than one time of doing something really so dumb how did I even get home last night? How did, I, how did that tree even miss me? How did that saw even miss me? How did that car even miss me? Because God is patient with you. He loves you. And He wants the best for you. Just like any parent wants the best for his children, the Father wants the best for you. And He's trying to help you to be mature and let you make the right decisions and, and grow you up. After all, in, in Jeremiah 1.5, He says, I knew you. Before I formed you in your mother's womb. He tells us in Jeremiah, before you were ever born, I knew you. And I formed you. And now that God's formed you, He, he wants to, to make you into a grand and glorious trophy of His. He wants to be able to say, you're mine. That's my child. Look at these pictures real quick up on the screen. Some of you are here today. Some of you are trying to figure out life and it's all a big blur. And if you look to the picture on the left... What do you see in the very middle of the picture? A stone, but what's inside the... Can you see the face inside the background? There's a face. Okay? Some of you are so busy trying to find everything in life, you're missing the very heart of the matter. It's God wants your mind. He wants your soul. He wants your strength. And then the guy to the right, notice that to the left of his, his left side, you're kind of like that. You're all pixelated. You're all kind of 
blurry. And what God wants to do today is God wants to set you free. He wants to put you to the right to make it clear. But the only way He can do that is, is you've got to take your hands off your life and you've got to give Him yours. Listen, God created you and He made you to be that special creation. And you have got to learn to allow Him to do that. There's a story in the Bible about a son who gets upset with his father and he says, give me everything that's, that's rightfully mine. I'm, I'm leaving. And he leaves. Because after all, he's young. And always with young comes the word what? Dumb. And, you know, listen, every teenager has this. We all have that. We've all thought our parents were dumb as dirt. And then when we got to be in our 20s, we realized, man, they were smarter than what we thought. You know, it's just life. It's just our growing process. He gets angry and he leaves. And he gets so steeped in his misery and brokenness and emptiness in a pig pen that he realized how much better he had it at home. Some of you today are so mad at God, you're so mad at, the, at everybody else around you that you haven't realized that you're the bomb that is self-destructing because of your actions, your motives, your will, your way. And if you'll learn to come back to the Lord, you'll learn to come back home to Jesus Christ, He'll give you a crown to put on your head. He'll give you life to enjoy because you're His king. You're His, you're his child and He wants to make you a prince or a princess. After all, if you're a child of the king, you are a what? A prince or a princess? Some of you today are living like slumlords. And God doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to be blessed and enjoy. Listen, God's been patient with you. Don't stretch His patience. Allow Him to come to you. The, the third one is high. Man, God's love is high. Look, we read this verse earlier, but let's read it again. Psalms 103 verse 11 says this. For His unfailing love toward those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Say, you know how much God loves you? As far as the heavens are above the earth, and the heavens means the stars. And you say, so explain that to me. The closest star to the earth is the Centauri system. It's 4.4 light years away. A light year is 5.88 trillion miles. So therefore, God's love, just as of fun, is 24.93 trillion miles high. Are you getting this, church? His love is so great and so grandiose, you can't even fathom it. His love is so great and grandiose, you'll never quite get it until you, until you meet Him in heaven. His love is so great and grandiose that it will change the very heart and life of the darkest person on planet Earth. I mean, God loves us. And His love is for us to be experienced. Listen, God doesn't want us to live in depression. God doesn't want us to live in defeat. God wants us to live in victory and in faith. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to infiltrate us and rule and reign in our lives, we'll quit hurting those people around us. We'll quit hurting ourselves. We'll walk in victory. And not only that, He'll heal us. I love what 2 Corinthians chapter, two, verse tw- uh, chapter 12, verse 2 says. This is Paul talking. Once again, Paul wants to share his experience. He says, I was caught up to the third heaven. Paul says, let me tell you how great God's love is, how high it is. Paul says, God's actually taken me to heaven in a vision and in a dream. I've actually seen the streets of gold. Listen, you surrender to the Lord, He'll take you to places you've never could experience in all of your life. But you've got to experience Him and let Him have it. Listen, when you surrender and allow the Holy Spirit to infiltrate your life, 
you'll begin to say words you never imagined you could say that will bring peace and harmony in your family. When you allow the Holy Spirit to infiltrate your life, man, you'll begin to walk in His power and His might. God will give you words. God will give you authority. God will give you power. But you have to allow that love to just saturate you. To just enable... Listen, some of you missed it this morning. And I pray this will be the last day you ever miss it while you live on planet Earth. Worship will set you free. Worship will set you free. Worship enables the believer to let go of all the cares of life and focus on the one who will give you all the hope and healing of life. And if you will worship the Lord, He'll set you free. After all, King Saul was burdened with an evil spirit. Do you know how Paul got set free? A spirit-filled boy by the name of David would play the harp and worship the Lord and that spirit would leave. Because worship is what sets us free. When we experience the height of God and allow His love to infiltrate our lives, in church, I'm only trying to share with you what I've experienced. Man, it's good. Man, life is great. Even when all hell breaks against me, life is great because I have Jesus. And He's going to walk me through all my problems of life. I don't have to worry. Last, the depth. Well, how deep is God's love? It's deep. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, I love what it says. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transformed us into His kingdom. God wants to rescue you this morning, church. He wants to set you free from the kingdom of darkness. But you've got to allow Him to do that very thing. You've got to say, God, I realized today I did not realize how long your love was, how wide it was, how high it was, how deep it was. But Lord, I understand it today. And, and Father, I want to be forgiven. I, I want to be set free. Lord, I, I want my life to be different. And, and so sometimes you say, well, that sounds good because you're preaching it. But I, I'd really like for you to back that up. Well, number one, the Word of God has backed it up for me. But number two, I'm going to let somebody else back it up for me. Rusty, come here. Where'd the handheld mic go, Bill? This is Rusty Heron, in case you guys don't know him. So, so Rusty's going to share what's been happening in his life the last two months. All right, so I was in bondage. I've been in bondage since I was about 15 years old to uh, nicotine. I started smoking when I was 15. That, uh, that was a pretty smart idea. I started smoking because I wanted to be rebellious. I wanted to, you know, be in the face of my parents and every adult in my life and, you know, be ugly. So I started smoking. I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So did that for 26 years. So, what, 58 days ago, I was on my way home from work, uh, listening to a song on the radio, No Longer Slaves. You, know, you guys have heard us do the song many times, I've sung it many times, love that song. Uh, and as I'm singing this song and driving down the road, I go to grab my vape and take a hit. And I look down at it, and I'm singing the song about not being a slave to fear, not being a slave to, a thing, to the things of this world. 
and I've got this in my hand, which I have to take every morning. I have to use every morning. I have to use every evening, every day, whenever I'm in stress, which took the place of God in my life. So as I'm riding down the road and as I come to this realization, I've got the window down, I throw it out the window and I kept riding because I knew in my heart that God was going to have me, that he was going to take care of me through it. And over and over in my head, kept saying, it'll be okay. It'll only hurt for a little while. And it did. It did. It hurt for about two weeks, (laughs) but it's gone. I'm free. Amen. And I'll never go back to it. Amen. So, so how do you deal with stress now? Pray. Pray. What a, what a genius idea. (laughs) Genius idea. Pray. So you're telling me you were in bondage for 26 years, 26 years. And all it took was the Holy Spirit to make you realize that you were in bondage. Mm-hmm. And He gave you enough sense to say, let it go and I'll take care of you. That's right. And He's done that. That's right. Amen. Amen? Thank you. Thank you. Church, you don't have to be in bondage anymore. You don't have to be a slave. You don't have to go to bed miserable. But the key is you have to understand what God's Word can do in your heart and life. And if you'll understand what God's Word can do in your heart and life, it will change your heart and life. Isn't it time that you be honest with yourself and say, I need help. And today I'm going to come back to Jesus and I'm going to get help from Him so I can be like Rusty, so I can be set free, so I can be like all these other people who stood up earlier and said, I am free from the enemy. Some of you have lived in bondage today and you no longer have to live there. You can be set free through the love and the power of Jesus Christ. But it's going to take you to admit you're wrong and for you to walk down to this, uh, this altar and confess it to the Lord and allow Him to get you. Because see, if you won't admit it, He can't help you. And if you won't take the initiative to come forward, He can't help you. You've got to walk away from your sin today. You've got to walk away from your misery today. You've got to walk away from your bondage today. And you've got to come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, He will set you free. Paul says, I have been freed. It's the experience I've had and I want you to have it. And we want you to have the same thing. The freedom to live in victory, not in defeat. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.